The Cal Halbert Podcast. Friends, thank you for downloading and listening to this week's episode of the Cal Halbert Podcast. My guest this week is Alan Wilkie. Now, we best know Alan as a former Premier League referee, and now he's one of the heads of the, the FA refereeing where he checks and uh, keeps on top of all the referees that are in the Premier League and further afield as well. And he also has a story about Cantona. I'm not going to spoil it, but you probably know the story. Well, here we go. The Cal Halbert Podcast. Well, I'm very pleased to say that on the show today, on the Cal Halbert Podcast, I've got the one, the only, Alan Wilkie. Hi, Alan. How are you doing, Cal? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are things? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, get, uh, things are relaxing a little bit, so that's very positive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I must, I, I presume, obviously, we best know you as, as, a, as a former referee. Um, so th- through the start of lockdown, it must have been a nightmare with no football being able to watch. Absolutely, it was terrible, absolutely <laughs> terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it, it makes you it makes you wonder what will happen if you ever retire. You know what I mean? But, dear me! But uh, yes, it was absolutely terrible. Um, I've never dug as many gardens, cut as much grass, and washed as many cars. Dear me! But, uh, yeah, never mind. Move on. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not uh, not afraid to say that me and you share a football team. We both support Newcastle United. Um, yeah. Before we go any further, what are your thoughts on on the takeover, the good win last night against Everton? What are your thoughts? Well, I have to say that it's about time that um, we had something positive to look forward to. Um, I mean, I, I I was a young man when we last won anything, but uh, <laughs> but there you go. Um, the the takeover is. I mean, I, I just focus on football. I'm not looking at the politics or anything at all. Yeah. Uh, behind the behind the takeover, um, I wish them every success, uh, and I, I see this as a five year five year plan in, in the making. Um, maybe it's even longer, but uh, they, they've made a very good start in in the, the buys that they've, they've, they've brought in. I, I particularly like the defender Burn. I think he's yeah. uh, he, he'll be a positive uh, addition. Uh, Kieran Trippier, well, a, pro, a proven uh, defender. And I've always liked my target as uh, probably a player that goes under the radar. Yeah, um, he's just a, he's just a, a seven or an eight out of ten every game. So I think that there's there's good uh, basis. I know very little about the uh, the Brazilian lad, uh, other than Bruno. he's probably the expensive one. Yes, <laughs> um, but uh, his, his five minute cameo last night was uh, was quite good. So uh, he is hoping that he can hit the ground running when he gets up to speed. Absolutely. And I think uh, we were all expecting a, a lot of money to be spent in January. Uh, some would say, well, it was was it about £90 million was spent by Newcastle yeah. in, in January? And yeah. I mean, you're going to pay over the odds in a January transfer anyway. Um, but are, are you pleased with the guys that have come in? Do you think there should have been any more areas that should have been strengthened? Um, well, the, <laughs> the one that will cost the most money is always the guy that scores the goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I always think that the, the January transfer window is going mm. to be a very, very limited um, and very difficult uh, hurdle to, to get across, purely and simply because players are not, sorry, teams are not going to sell their best players in yeah. January. So you're not going to buy your 30, 40 goal a season uh, centre forward. Um, and the difficulty is, because of the takeover, Newcastle Newcastle now has a fifty percent markup. 
or a 30% markup, whatever. So the, the prices of the players are always going to be, be higher. And, and, and such is life. I mean, Manchester United and Liverpool have enjoyed that for the past uh, couple of decades. So why not us moving forward? Um, it's a nice problem to have, to be fair, because uh, previously we haven't been able to afford even the, uh, the penny bargains on the, uh, on the cheap show. But... Um, but, it, but it, it's good that we, uh, we're now in, a, in an area where we can compete. Um, my view is that Eddie Howe's got one main job, and that is to uh, to ensure that we start the season next season in the Premier League. Yeah. Then I believe that that's the beginning of the of, of the work that they have to put together. Do you believe that Eddie Howe is a better manager than Steve Bruce? I know they're certainly different, but is he any better or any worse than Steve Bruce, in your opinion? That's a very difficult one to say because the just exactly as you've described, they're different. Um, I'll, 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 I'll give you an example. Uh, two, maybe, maybe seven seasons ago, uh, I observed Bournemouth for the first time. Yeah. I was actually observing the referee, of course, <laughs> but it, it happened to be uh, Bournemouth. Now, I, I then somehow went on a run of five games where Bournemouth were the opposition. Mm-hmm. And I went back to my boss when we were doing the, uh, doing the debriefs, and I just said, um, I've seen a team that I think will take the Premier League by storm. They've just come on up under the radar. Now, that was Bournemouth, and that was under Eddie Howe. And the attacking, yeah. the attacking flair was, was excellent. Mm-hmm. Granted, they had our centre-forward playing for them, uh, Callum Wilson. Yeah. And yeah. Callum was just knocking goals in for fun. Uh, and and to be fair, I still rate Callum Wilson extremely highly. Yeah. And I think our problem is we will miss him a little bit, I think. Um, but uh, hopefully other guys will make up for that uh, as and when as as going forward. But I, I see Eddie Howe is, is a more progressive, uh, a more flair-minded manager, uh, which doesn't mean that Steve's not a good manager because he's a very nice man. I, I must say that uh, straight out. But... Um, the resources that he had at Newcastle didn't allow any flair and basically was damage limitation. So I feel that his, his hands were tied to a degree. Um, but as I say, they're, they're, they're different, completely different animals. And uh, long may the flair live because that's what football should be all about. Absolutely. And, and and if we're looking at previous managers, look at the fall from grace that Rafa Benitez has had. And you no one can say Rafa Benitez is a bad manager, um, but he, he didn't do amazing things with Newcastle. He then went off to China and then he's just been sacked by Everton. So, But no one can say he's a bad manager. Things just hadn't clicked right anywhere. Well, the, the, Rafa Benitez, for me, uh, changed the style of play at Newcastle. And for me, not, not in a better way. Uh, he always became very difficult to beat. Which is not a bad thing. It's not yeah, bad. Yeah. It's a good place to start. It's a good place to start. <laughs> but it's it's the it's the flair. Without any flair going forward, you're going to struggle. And basically, for me, when I look at teams like Manchester City, yeah, okay, that might be just ten years down the down the line. I appreciate that. But when I look at Manchester City and Liverpool, and to a degree, uh, other teams who were in form, they're basically doing things with pace, with yeah. control, with movement. That's something that we never had under Rafa. And um, uh, yeah, of course, of course, uh, successful manager. Of course he is. It, nobody can deny that. But I just thought under the under the restrictions that he was placed under, 
at Newcastle uh, financially and the players that he brought in, there was always a difficulty in in creating flair and creating ex- excitement. Um, so, um, yes, I, I think there's been a, a steady decline at Newcastle over a long period of time, um, and hopefully, just hopefully, this 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 corner that we've turned will allow a brighter future. Because if you can't have a brighter future with the backing that's that's there now, you ain't going to have any success at all. As I've, as I've already mentioned, I think it'll be five, between five and ten years before we uh, we we become stable. Yeah, uh, and I think that's what we should be looking for: stability, so that we have a good team and have the ability to replace the odd player every now and again. Yeah, uh, which at the moment we've uh, I, th- I think with the takeover, I, I think everybody's been sort of right. We'll have five, six, seven, <laughs> eight, nine, you know, and uh, we'll spend. 200 million in uh, on a centre forward. Well, that would be lovely, but you ain't going to buy a 200 million pound centre forward in January. Yeah, we'll see what the summer brings. Yeah, and uh, before we move on, move on to your career. I, I'm watching the match last night, the Newcastle Everton match. It's just so refreshing to see an owner sat in the stands enjoying the match. Yeah, <laughs> well, when you win, it's always enjoyable. Um, but yes, um. <laughs> I mean, Mike, Mike Ashley at one point uh, was a saviour. Yeah. I mean, I'm going back a long time now. And to be fair to him, and uh, he didn't leave us in, in much debt either. That's probably because he didn't spend anything, but that, that's another matter. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, he, he obviously did some good things for us financially. But um, the, the, the look, I, I, all I want to do is I want to see the manager and I want to see the owner, and then I want to see the spectator smiling. Yeah. Because that means that means that the football's better. That means the football... The, listen, the players really, really enjoy playing football if they if they can uh, have some success, but equally play nice, attractive football. Yeah. Because yeah. as a referee, I've come across many, many successful teams, and as a referee, you have very little problem with players when they're enjoying themselves. So... I mean, that's for referees of the current time, but um, it's good to see a smile on people's faces. And I mean, uh, as it turned out, for just for once, I'm going to the match at Aston Villa on Sunday. So, yeah, yeah I've got, I'll have everything crossed. Trust me. Well, Alan, don't watch the referee. Watch Newcastle win. That's what I want. Okay. I'm, I'm taking grandkids, so I'll be watching the match. <laughs> Now, Alan, as I said, we best know you as a former referee. Um, had you always wanted to be a, a referee or was it a player or was it management? What was it that you wanted to do? Well, the, the last thing I wanted to be was a referee. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, w- I was playing non-league and I got a serious injury. And um, I was off work for six months. Um, had me leg and plaster for about uh, three of those months. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I broke two bones in my foot. And the uh, the doc, yeah, going back when uh, the 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 medical profession was gas driven, um, <laughs> so the the guy said that uh, you couldn't operate on the foot, uh, and uh, I, I I had to be very careful about walking, etc., etc., etc. But he said what you won't be able to do is play football again. Mm. Uh, so that was the end of my career as as it as it was. And one of my player colleagues said. Uh, I bet you. I bet you couldn't get through the referees' exam. And I said, "Why do you say that?" He said, "Well, because 
you're one of the dirtiest players I've ever come across. So, um, <laughs> so, so that was uh, that was that was that was an easy bet to win because uh, I got through it all right, no problem. Um, and I still didn't think that I would be doing any refereeing at all. But by the time I actually got started, which was uh, uh, around about the January time in 1977, um, my fitness had come back. And uh, unusually for referees uh, at the lower levels, um, I used to run past players challenging them for a run in, in a race. Plus, uh, I, I used to enjoy running and train very hard. And uh, so that was the start of it. And that was where the enjoyment came because of the, the interaction and the, the banter and stuff like that. And, and basically after that, the, um, the bug bit and uh, I, uh, I just you know, happened to get promoted in successive seasons. So all of a sudden, I was in danger of being successful without even trying. Um, Alan, when you say, it, when you say you were promoted through successive seasons, is it, it it's it, it it can't be like a, a league table, but is it people like what you're doing now assessing absolutely. referees and moving absolutely. up? Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Um, when you first start, if you go back to where it was when I started, there was only three levels: three, two, and one. Mm-hmm. One. A plus, sorry, plus I for international. Um, but now there there are seven levels, plus I for international. Yeah. And yeah. Um, basically, what you what what you could do, uh, you could get promoted from three to two, two to one, like in successive seasons. Yeah. But uh, it didn't normally happen that quickly. But within four seasons of starting to be a referee, I was on the football league line. Wow. Um, which is, uh, I don't think it'll ever be beaten. It may be matched, but I don't think it'll be beaten, yeah. which surprised me um, and pleased me, of course. Within, <laughs> um, within three, four, five, within six seasons, I was on what they call it's now the uh, National League. Yeah, it used to be called it used to be called the conference. The Vauxhall yeah. Conference, yeah. believe it or not. Um, so, I, and I refereed there for four seasons. So after starting off at the Butcher's Arms versus Lumley Red Lion, um, <laughs> 11, years, 11 years later, as Football League referee. Yeah. Well, I imagine in those earlier days that there wouldn't be half-time oranges. It'd be very much half-time cigarettes and pints. That's what it would be. <laughs> well, cigarettes in a bottle of brown, yes. <laughs> so I've got down here in 1981, you were appointed as an assistant referee in the Northern League. Um, and 1982, you were put as a referee. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And uh, one of my <laughs> one of my uh, early games was at uh, Blythe, Blythe Spartans. Yeah. Against the team that now isn't in existence, a team called Ferry Hill Athletic. Mm-hmm. And um, this was very shortly after Blythe's great success. And uh, me being me, daft uh, lad from uh, the West End of Newcastle. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't treat anybody any differently. Everybody was exactly the same. Yeah. However, it, it Blythe, they had to be treacherous stars. <laughs> of course. Well, anyway, uh, the captain of, of Blythe was a lad called Tommy Dixon. And uh, nice fella, but hard as, hard as the hobs of hell, trust me. And um, so anyway, he went through this player. And we're talking about when footballers were footballers and you could challenge. Um, so he went through this player and I went, steady, steady. So anyway, next time he goes through the same player again, I said, right, that'll do. You come to me. And 
many, many people use this line as a joke, right? Right. So I said, name, and out there, on my grandchildren's life, Tommy Dixon said, do you know who I am? <laughs> uh, and I almost did exactly what you're doing. And I thought, well, I can't. I said, I've no idea who you are, bunny lad, but if you tell us, I'll, I'll remember. So he said, my name's Tommy Dixon, and you better not forget. So anyway, took his name. Anyway, finished the game, Blythe, Blythe win, 3-1, 3-2, whatever, but the win. I then got a phone call two days later from the Northern League secretary. What were you doing at Blythe? I said, well, I was refereeing, Gordon, I was refereeing. He says, well, no, what were you doing? I says, I've, I've no idea what you mean. He says, well, we've got a letter here from the Secretary of Blythe Spartans, and he said uh, he's marked you one out of ten, and he said he doesn't want to see you at, at uh, Croft Park again. <laughs> needless, needless to say, the Secretary of the Northern League then sent me back to Croft Park seven times that season. <laughs> But at the end of the season, I had a 10 out of 10. But that's adding all the eight games together. <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting. I never knew that. Um, so who marks you? Is it the manager or is it the secretary or is it the club? Who is it that marks but you? It's it's the club, but invariably it will be the secretary. Right. The The manager will have an input. Of course, the manager will have an input. But um, yeah, so as I say, at the, end of, at the end of this season, out of the 10 games I did, I had... Uh, I had a 10 out of 10, but that was collected. <laughs> so how, much, um, how much do those ratings impact whether you go back to a ground or not? Clearly not very much if you were back seven times. <laughs> well, no, well, basically what basically that story was that the secretary of the Northern League would not be told who would go where. He appointed where they went. And, and that was the whole purpose of that. Um, but the... Uh, the Basically now, if then and now, basically what can happen is the club will ask for clarification from uh, the governing body as to a decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. They'll equally make a report on the suitability of the performance. But invariably, what they have to do is they have to put um, a reason why they're making that, uh, that inquiry. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, when they made that inquiry and the request that they didn't want me back, they just said that I was useless. <laughs> And by the way, they may well have been correct, but that's another matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, by 1993, you were in the Premier League refereeing. Did you ever imagine that you'd be refereeing uh, in the Premier League and then also for UEFA and stuff uh, when you first took that, basically a bit of a bet whether you could do the refereeing? No, ab things? Absolutely not. There's, there is no... One of the things, Carl, that I, I, that I never even thought I would do was work with assistant referees. I thought referees refereed by themselves. Yeah, you know, um, but no, I, I never, I never even contemplated uh, that sort of uh, success. When I got to the Northern League, uh, and the, the speed that I got to the Northern League, I, I thought there might be there might be another step here. Yeah, there may yeah. be another step, and it's basically when I joined the uh, the Vauxhall Conference, the National League as it is now. That you you then begin to think right, this is now serious. Yeah. This, this 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 is proper, <laughs> yeah. Um, and the fitness training becomes more intense. The the hard work and the uh, the uh, the the meetings, the listening to coaches, etc. 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 Um, becomes much more necessary. 
Um, yeah. And it was yeah. basically in that period that you tend to think, if, if I can be a success at the National League, then perhaps, just perhaps, but the UEFA stuff and all the other bits and pieces, no, never, never, never even had that in my mind. That, that a daft lad from Newcastle would be on the line in the European Cup semi-final. What? No. <laughs> uh, there you go, I was. <laughs> I, think, I think that's something that a lot of people bypass and don't even think about fitness levels of referees because mm. you've, you've got to, you're running the pitch just as much as the players. More than some. More than some. <laughs> I, would suge- I would suggest to you that the, the guys in midfield uh, right, uh, but not necessarily attack and not necessarily defence may cover the same distance as a referee. Yeah, I was once uh, I was once uh, monitored uh, when I was refereeing, and I did twelve miles in one match. Uh, in one match, twelve miles. Bloody hell! No, no. <laughs> you could say that that was because I didn't know where I was going, uh, <laughs> but but. Uh, but um, and then the, the better referees didn't run that far because they could read the game better. They didn't do this, that, and the other, which is fine. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but currently, I would suggest to you that the, the guys will be doing 14, 15K. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Obviously, you've measured kilometres now. Um, and they're running more smart. They're running. Uh, they're probably running less because... Of the, the 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 structure of the coaching, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which is fine, it's fine. But um, as I said, when I, when I got that one, I, I was quite pleased because the nearest player was eleven point one miles. Oh, get in! That's a win. <laughs> that, that game was Arsenal versus Chelsea, so it was quite a busy game. <laughs> Do you ever get intimidated at, at that level when you've got not only have you got two big teams let's take that that match for example Arsenal versus Chelsea it's a derby they're going to have big names in there and then on top of that you've got a sold out stadium all booing you for every decision whether they're right or wrong do you ever have to just sit there and go no I'm here to do a job or does that ever uh, influence your decisions at all um right intimidated no never uh, intimidated at grassroots level sometimes. Um, intimidated at the Northern League levels sometimes because you can hear everybody and exactly what they're saying. Yeah. Uh, you then go into a stadium where it's full and it's raucous full of noise. You can't hear anything other than a big noise. Yeah. So there's yeah. no intimidation there. Um, fear, uh, intimidation from players, from managers. Absolutely not. Purely and simply because if they step out of line, the punishments that they have at that level are, are extremely severe. And the publicity. The last thing that they want is to have uh, uh, bad publicity. Mm-hmm. Um, the odd one or two, and never shy away from it, of course, as you're well aware. <laughs> but um, no, no what, I, what I got when I refereed, for instance, that game and various other ones, would be a sense of um, urgency, a need for um, accuracy and a, like a, a positive nervous tension, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. Um, some people would say, did you get nervous? No, I didn't get nervous. I got excited. Yeah. Right. Now, that might well be a bit of nerves as well kicking in. Of course, it, of course it could be. But it, it's purely and simply that I, I just really enjoyed doing what I did because 
if you if you're not really good at anything but you're good at something yeah that's the stuff that you actually uh, pursue you know what i mean yeah and uh, so intimidated no just really really excited like like a daft schoolboy <laughs> yeah. i mean I, I remember i remember um Dennis Wise playing for Chelsea yeah. and uh, da, 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 da. and he just said what you laughing? what you smiling at i said i'm having such a good time why, why are you not smiling are you not enjoying yourself and sometimes my sort of smile may may have been a little bit off putting to the players but <laughs> i mean uh do I care? Not at all. Yeah. Um, but I, I smiled because A, I was enjoying myself and B, sometimes it's very difficult to argue with somebody when they're smiling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. That, that's that, really no, interesting. I, I never had any issues uh, on, on that regard. Really, really. And don't get me wrong. Don't, don't get me wrong. I had games which I uh, I didn't particularly enjoy, but I still smiled through them. And afterwards that I said to my colleagues, well, that was a, a real chore. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I was refereeing Everton versus West Ham. Mm-hmm. I send off the West Ham fullback, Tim Breaker, right? Uh, two yellow cards, and Everton win 5 0. Right. Okay. So at the end of the game, do you think, or, or even through the game, do you think the Everton crowd would be shouting at me? Well, the, you, you would you, think not. You wouldn't have thought so, no. Well, I got the lickings of a dog that day. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why. It's it was quite strange. I have no idea why, but I just thought, what on earth going on here? And I said, when I got off, I said to me two colleagues, me three colleagues, I said, "Come on, then tell us what I did wrong." And they all went, "No, just nothing." <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was one of those days that you just think. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? But never mind, never mind. Were there any times where your uh, because I, I I imagine and I think I know that you you wouldn't be allowed to referee any Newcastle games at all. Um, well, well, nineteen ninety seven, I think it was early January. Um, I got a phone call from the uh, Premier League. Uh, Are you still free? And of course, being a good referee, you uh, you know how many you know how many games you can reach. Without staying over, there was four. Yeah, I had four. Yeah. Well, in actual fact, there was five because I didn't count one of them. Uh, so that was Forest, Leeds, Manchester, and Liverpool, right? Um, so I then I said, "Yeah, free, aha, uh-huh. right." Would like you to go to, and then on the telephone, it was like this muffled noise. You're in United. I thought, "All right, Man United, lovely, smashing." Um, no. And it got a bit clearer. Then it got a bit clearer. And it was Newcastle United because the referee had taken ill. And there was only three referees left in the country. That was me, Martin Bodnam and Paul Durkin. Martin Bodnam from Lou in Cornwall and uh, Paul Durkin from Portland in Dorset. Um, and of course, the, they obviously couldn't travel, didn't have time to travel, etc. Et so it was me and they were playing Manchester City. That was an interesting pre-match. Um, <laughs> so I went I went there, obviously, and uh, in comes Brian Horton, manager, the then manager of Manchester City, and Kevin. Kevin King came in uh, from uh, Newcastle. And Brian comes across, big fella, big, brash, outgoing fella. Uh, Hello there, have you walked? <laughs> 
To which I replied, no, I came on the Newcastle team bus. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin, Kevin did what you did. Kevin laughed and Brian sort of didn't know how to take it. I said, no, I haven't walked and I didn't come on the team bus. What's your point? No, 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 I'm not, no, no, I'm not making any insinuations at all, says he. Which was, of course, a lie. Um, so anyway, team sheets exchange out, he goes, da, da, da. So and then at that point, I was probably one of the few referees in the Premier League that went out for a warm-up. Mm-hmm. And so I went out by myself. Now, the warm-up I used to do would take about 10 to 12 minutes. This one took about 20 minutes because I knew nearly everybody in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the bits and pieces and whatnot and eventually get back in. We do the game, and that was the hardest game of football I've had to referee, ever, um, because everything had to be perfect. Yeah. Everything had to be spot on. So uh, one of the assistants uh, gives me an indication. Uh, Peter Beardsley went, went to ground. I'll put it that way. He went to ground. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going, play on, come on, let's go. And the assistant's given a flag and an aeroplane's coming in. It's that much of a flag, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's one of them that I couldn't ignore. Yeah. Uh, so I, I stopped the game and I went across and I said, uh, I think he fell over. No, he was tripped. I said, you're not listening. I think he fell over. He said he was tripped. I said, right, so who am I sending off? There was a little bit of panic. His bottom lip quivered a little bit, and uh, I think he panicked a little bit. No, 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 it's just a yellow card. So anyway, eventually we get to the point. I said, right, who was it? So he then says it was the blonde one. Now, back in those days, there was Alan Kernigan and the two Brightwells played for um, Man City, all right. six foot plus and all either fair or, or light ginger hair. Right. So go on then. Which one of those three? It's uh, it's 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 one of them. So eventually, I'll cut it short. Eventually, I uh, I just blew me whistle and said, "Come here, you." To which point, Alan Kernigan walked across and he took the yellow card, which is perfect. Um, <laughs> very shortly from that free kick, um, Peter Beardsley was fouled uh, in the penalty area, and I'm thinking, "Oh no." So anyway, I give the penalty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as you do. Um, so I give the penalty. By the way, Stonewall, no arguments at all. And at which point I have the ball in my hand and I'm thinking, right, where's Peter? Peter Beardsley, where's Peter? And of course, Rule Fox takes the ball out of my hand. Yeah. At which point I'm thinking, do I tell him he can't have it? Or do I uh, do I do anything? Or do... And I'm thinking, no, be professional, be professional. So I just... I, I set the penalty up. And of course, Tony Corton saved the uh, what I would best describe as a back pass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at, which, at which point your mind's racing. Um, as a referee, did he come off the goal line? Uh, was there encroachment? Do I t- do I have a retake? Can I have a retake? Will Peter take it next time? And by that time, it had gone. So let's just move on. So it finished nil-nil. Nil nil, and after that game, I uh, I sent a letter because uh, back then it was letters, not emails. Um, I sent a letter to the Premier League saying that I would like to be excluded 
from refereeing Newcastle games. <laughs> Competitively. I don't think I'd I don't think I'd be able to handle myself in a Newcastle game. If I was there, I'd, I'd be standing there going, ah, oh, for God's sake, man, pass the ball. <laughs> <laughs> There was a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I just need to finish off by being fair to Brian Horton. After the game, he came and shook my hand and said, I apologise. I shouldn't have said what I said before the game. So that was all right. Oh, brilliant. So no, that's good. That's good. Have you ever had any backlash from managers after the game, brain on your door or anything like that? <laughs> how, how, how long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, it's it's commonplace. And, and invariably, what you'll get, right? In fact, after that game, the nil-nil, Kevin Keegan knocked on the door, yeah. and I'm thinking, what's he after? And he just said, "Can I come in? Because the dressing room's in a bit of a mess, and the, the, the heads are in their hands and all sorts." He says, "It's not a nice place to be." I says, "Why, well, I come in, no problem." Is it all right if we we'll have a shower and get changed? Oh, yeah, he says, I just want to walk around. And he just walked around the dress, the changing room, right? And just sort of talking to himself and, and sort of setting things out in his own mind. And I thought, that's an, that's an interest. That was the first time that's happened. Yeah. But getting back to your question about knocking on the door. Um, oh, there's, there's various reasons why people knock on the door. I mean, uh, there's an obviously famous one, but... Um, you, you'll get people knocking on the door. Oh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, Man United versus Man City, FA Cup, sixth round in 1996. Um, Uwe Rosler scored a goal for uh, Man City, making it 1-0. And at that point, they were really, really uh, on top. So from a corner, uh, Giggs takes the corner and a guy called Michael Frontek mm-hmm. played for Man City. Fullback, and he's got his arm around Cantona's neck. All right, so when anyway, the ball comes in, it goes straight out for a corner. So setting up again, I said, Michael, if you do that again, that that's very likely to be a penalty. Yeah. Oh, okay, ref. Okay, ref. Right. So anyway, second corner comes in from Giggs, and he's doing exactly the same. So. Ball goes out for another Man United corner. So I said, Michael, if you continue, it will be a penalty kick. Yeah. It's not likely to be. It will be. Oh, all right, ref. All right, ref. So comes across. He's got his arm around his neck. <laughs> penalty kick. So anyway, Campton R scores once each. And then, of course, uh, Campton R scores again, 2-1. <laughs> so at the end of the game... Um, there was, uh, I'll, I'll get to the bits and pieces after, but uh, Alan Ball was the, ma- the manager of uh, Man City. Yeah. So he, uh, he knocked on the door and came in. Like a gentleman, I have to say, came in and just said, can you tell me why you gave a penalty when he was never going to head the ball? Because it was quite high above him. I said, well, Alan, if I can tell you that I said to the, the player involved, Michael Frontset, three times, that eventually it will be a penalty. He said, you told him three times. I said, Alan, all my life, I told him three times. Oh, right. Okay, fine. So he goes away. And following that game, I received uh, probably the worst abuse that you've ever, you could ever imagine. Uh, I had a razor blade, I had feces, I had a bullet, 
are threats to my children, da 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 da. And eventually, the the one that the one that stopped it was the guy that actually signed his name. Yeah. See, I'm being quite serious. He actually put his name on the bottom. Uh, the, the letter came to me house. Alan Wilkie, Premier Referee, Chesley Street. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> well, it's, it's good. Uh, well, we've got to praise the 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 Royal Mail for that. How the hell yeah, that yeah. got to you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, he, he he was arrested and uh, put in prison. But that's by the way. He, he sent the bullet and said that he would load it and come and kill me kids. But, uh, good God. Yeah. Good anyway, God. so yeah, so other 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 knocks on the door. Um, I sent off Roy Keane for two yellow cards. And uh, the second yellow card was for basically for dissent. Yeah. Now it's one of the it's one of these cards. You'll not send a player off for dissent if you can avoid it. You want it to be a tackle. You want it to be physical. Yeah. But I give a throw in on the halfway line. I want you to imagine. I give a throw in on the halfway line, and it might have been wrong. Right. Might have been right, by the way. Yeah. But it yeah. might have been wrong. Um. And it. I'm standing with me back to Roy Keane and I'm standing like this with my arm out pointing the direction. Yeah. That's our yeah. ball ref. I said, it might be Roy, but I'm giving it that way because that's my, that, that's my decision. Yeah. So that's our ball ref. I said, all right, Roy, I've already said it. What? That's our ball ref. I said, that's enough, Roy. <laughs> And he added, he added some other stuff, as you might imagine. Uh, In a way that only Roy Keane could say. <laughs> yeah. So I, I basically just turned and showed the yellow and the, and the red, and off we went. So anyway, knock on the door. Sir Alex comes in. Tell me why you sent uh, Roy Keane off. And I, I told him the exact story that I've just t- told you. He said, you need to repeat that again, because I'm not really sure that even he's that daft. <laughs> So I, so I said, Even he's that daft. <laughs> yeah, so, so I said, uh, da, 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 same again. He says, well, that's that's ludicrous. He says, that will cost him three weeks wages. So, Bloody hell. Went. So, and, and so, yeah, there's there's many people come in, ask for explanations and, and things like that. Yeah. Well, staying with uh, Sir Alex Ferguson and the aforementioned <laughs> Eric Cantona, I want to take you back to the 25th of January, 1995, at Selhurst Park. Um what happened in that game, Al? I've no idea. <laughs> um, well, right. I think basically you have to go back to the right to the beginning. Um, and a bit of context is that at the time there was only two teams likely to win the Premier League, and that was Blackburn Rovers and Man United. Yeah. And Blackburn Rovers had played Man United on the Saturday and lost, which gave Man United a little bit of a foothold. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could just tell there was a, a sort of a relaxed atmosphere around Sellers Park. Um, when you would, have, and by the way, anybody that's been to Sellers Park when they're playing uh, Crystal Palace, it bounces. Yeah, it bounces. Yeah. Um, and the atmosphere is, it, I would not say int- intimidating, but it's electric. Yeah, it's ele- really, really very good. So, but this one was quite sort of downbeat and relaxed. So I, I was just saying to my colleagues, yeah, just need to be aware, and be on top. And in in the tunnel, it's an extremely tight tunnel at Sellers Park. Um, the players were just sort of oh, leaning against the wall, basically. And this is my reading of it: that they've done enough already by right. beating Blackburn. Um, so they went out and played in the first half. And to be fair, 
they didn't play particularly well. And and Crystal Palace did what Crystal Palace Crystal Palace do, which is they get stuck in. Yeah. And they, they put in a good shift, there's no doubt about it. They had some very good players at that time, Southgate, etc. 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 Um and then at the half just before half time, Cantonal committed a, a foul. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give a free kick against him. He said, That's my first foul, but you let them kick me ten times. And I'm going, have I? <laughs> and I, I, I really couldn't imagine that I would let somebody do that. Anyway, yeah. half time, I said to the my colleagues, I said, uh, what have I missed? Because I've missed something. Because the atmosphere is not right. And they, they came back and said, nothing at all. It's actually quite boring. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I said, right, let's just be on, on, on my guard in the second half. Let's just be... Oh my God! Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, about uh, was eight minutes, forty two seconds. Just, just want to be precise. Into the second <laughs> half, um, Pallister passes the ball back to Schmeichel. Schmeichel launches launches one of his long kicks, and there's only two people there, so it can't be that you've missed something because there's only two people in the in the in the half. Yeah. That's Richard yeah. Shaw, the defender, and Eric Cantona. And Eric Cantona kicked Richard Shaw. So. Stop the game. Eddie Walsh is giving it six now with the, the flag to uh, get me attention. Well, I, I go in, show the red card, uh, send him off. I'm then surrounded by a number of players. Yeah. <laughs> all of them. All of them. Um, and they're all talking to each other about what they're going to do after the match and all the other bits and pieces the players do when they when they have these confrontations. Um you tend to just wish, why doesn't somebody just smack somebody so he can do something? But anyway, that's by that. Um, I digress. Um, so at this point, I've got Andy Cole in my face. Um, uh, why just send him off? Why just, and I, I'm, it's, it's on the footage quite clearly. He kicked him, and I see it about four times. He kicked me, and I'm just, I just thought, I've had enough. So I'm, I'm pointing to get the ball to come back and all the other bits and pieces, at which point there's no players there. They've all gone down yeah. to the corner. Uh, and that's when Matthew Simmons came down and said something to Eric, which he, he wouldn't tolerate. And fair play to him. I mean, I'm, I'm not condoning what he did, but uh, sometimes people shouldn't get away with what they say. Um, anyway, it's bye-bye. Um, so at which point I then go to the corner uh, to try and regain uh, some semblance of order. Um, at which point Andy Cole was by the by the stand and Paul Ince was this. And Andy, I just grabbed Andy Cole and threw him back onto the pitch. And uh, I then got in the in between uh, um, Paul Ince and the the, uh, the the crowd. And I was just walking him back, walking him back. At which point, Gareth Southgate, I knew he had a good future in football, <laughs> came over and said, um, you know what, Alan, if you get the free kick taken, and he says, this will all go away. <laughs> and I thought, what a good idea. <laughs> so anyway, I, I got the, the kick taken and away we went. Game went on. Um, once each had finished, um, Armstrong scored for uh, for Crystal Palace and uh, May scored for Man United. And there you go. And we're, we're coming off once each. And um, I'm saying to my two colleagues, uh, "What happened? What's all the fuss about? What happened?" So Eddie Walsh, who was beside me at the time, said, "I've no idea." And the other one, Grant Grant Hedley said, "You'll not believe what's just going on." <laughs> anyway, I said, "Keep it. We'll get her in the dressing room and we'll we'll deal with it." So we've uh, we've got uh, 
at which point the match observer has come down straight away, uh, obviously, because there, there's been an incident. And um, so we're in. And just before we settle down, I just says, right, OK, everybody compose themselves. Right, Grant, you tell us what you've seen. Bang on the door and the door comes open. Uh, and it was all my fault was the comment that was made. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. At which point, I've no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. You've got to remember that. I've got no idea what, what, what's There's happening. There's no VAR there. There's no... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And, um, and basically, at that point, I was hoping that a, a passing policeman might uh, pop in and uh, come to me rescue. But he didn't pass. He'd come out my toilet. He'd been used <laughs> the toilet. The match commander, first thing he said was, sorry, I, I was just caught short, so I hope you don't mind me using your toilet. At which point I, I felt like giving him a hug. Um, <laughs> and immediately he turned and said to Sir Alex, he said, uh, what are you doing here? Back to your dressing room now. I've already arrested one of you, your lot. If you're not back there now, very shortly, I'll arrest you. To which point he left. Yeah. Um, then we settled down and went through what happened. So at this point, you still had no idea what had happened. No, so as far as I was Alex concerned, Alex Ferguson's coming, off. kicked off. A police officer said he's already arrested one of your squad. He'll arrest you. It's kicking yeah. off. You have no idea what's happened. Absolutely, not, <laughs> not, not, a, not, no, no chance. I, I, I knew that there'd been something with the crowd. Obviously, not daft, but I didn't know what. So, uh, Grant then holding stage in court and telling us what's going on and we're sitting with my mouths open going what so at which point Ron Nodes knocks on the door and he said uh, I guess you'd like a drink <laughs> <laughs> I went uh, well if you don't mind that would be very nice once we get showered and collated he says up to the boardroom when you're finished so anyway the first time that I saw what had actually happened was around about one o'clock in the morning in the boardroom of Crystal Palace. Oh, God. And for people that, that don't know what we're talking about, it is the kung fu kick of yeah, Eric yeah, Cantona. Yeah. Straight yeah. into the face of a, of a fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got six months uh, banned for that. Yeah, and yeah. Right, rightfully so. Rightfully oh, so, yes, really. Yes, rightfully yes. so. Um, I think I'd be stupid not to have a, a referee on and not talk about VAR, Alan. And... In that situation, I imagine VAR would have helped in, in knowing what, what, what had happened. But do you well, think that, well, it may or may not have, it, it still seems a bit of a, <laughs> a conundrum as to what happened. But do you think VAR has improved the game or not? Ooh, I know a that's a very question. open-ended question. Yes, it is. Um, I think, the if you don't mind me coming back with a question, you should never ask answer a question with a question. I appreciate that. But the question is, why do you think VAR was brought in? I think my understanding of VAR is to is because there's human error. There's always going to be human error. And I think what yeah. we, we've been told we're sold on is that this is going to fix it. However, it's still run by humans. Therefore, human error is still there. Things yeah. like, to me, things like goal line technology, absolutely for, completely get it, absolutely yeah. it's a goal or it's not. But yeah. when things like VAR say, I didn't actually see fully what had happened, look, for example, what Cantona said to you before, he's kicked me 10 times, what's gone on? Yeah. Yeah. Those sort of situations you could replay and rewatch and go, okay, fair enough. 
But yeah. to me, VAR still not getting anything, still not getting everything right. Right. The reason VAR was considered and implemented is the owners, um, chairman of the Premier League clubs, were fed up with so many goals being disallowed incorrectly. Yeah. For offside. Mm-hmm. So. What the, what the VAR does is VAR proves conclusively that it's offside or it's not. Yeah. Within three millimetres. Now, that can be infuriating. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Of course it can. I'm a Newcastle fan, Alan. Of course it's infuriating. (laughs) We needed to be within three feet. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but, but, But it was brought in to ensure that if it was a goal, it was a goal. If it was an offside, it was an offside. Yeah. Now, the, the extension of that is that you then have, uh, it, it has to be uh, it's penalties, it's red cards, etc., etc., etc. So that's the extension of what the initial programme was about. Now, the biggest issue, the biggest issue that you have, and you've already mentioned, is that you have a human element. And the human element uh, when you consider that it has to be a clear and obvious error, the human element is, well, he might, I can understand why he did that. I can understand why he did that. And thereby lies the, the, the flaw within VAR. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the biggest flaw, the biggest flaw is the on-field referee not having the instinct to say that my initial uh, judgment was correct. Um, when in actual fact, Quite, quite a lot over the past uh, six or seven weeks, had the referee stuck to his original um, decision, he would have arrived at the correct outcome. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, history will tell you that when you're asked to go and review the, uh, the footage, invariably, you've got something wrong. Yeah. In- invariably. Now, the difficulty is, Having the courage to say, or the, it's not courage, it's confidence. Having the confidence to say, I see what you're saying, I'm correct. Yeah, because that, that is one thing, because the, I think most of us that saw VAR in, in its uh, in its first steps and seeing it being used what was the World Cup, that's when we, we, we saw it the first time. And th- there are times where, say, a referee gave a yellow card and they said, come and have a look at that, we think it's a red. I suppose you're right. It, it does take a lot of balls to go, no, no, that's exactly what I thought I saw. Still a yellow in my book. Do you know? Yeah, uh, it, yeah. That is... No, absolutely. Absolutely. You see, the inver- invariably, invariably, um, it's the other way around. It's a red that changes to a yellow. Yeah. Invariably. Um, now, the difficulty is, the difficulty is, if, if you on-field referee see a challenge that you believe to be Red, mm-hmm. it has to be something quite startling, yeah, and and wide of the mark for you to, to downgrade it to a, a, a yellow, yeah. So why not stick to it? Yeah, I'm not saying every time, not at all, because yeah. uh, because invariably, well, that, that's it. it's impossible to get everything right, isn't it? It's absolutely yeah. yes. Even I made a mistake, yes. Uh, but no, it, it be, no yeah, not serious. giving the ball to Peter Beardsley. That's that was the problem, Alan. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go at me grave regretting that. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, there has there has to be there has to be some understanding from the spectators as well. Um, the difficulty is for me the biggest problem is the time it takes. Yeah. Um, the, one thing you need to know is that they're thirty seconds behind. The VAR is thirty seconds behind right. real time, uh, so that's so they can sweep up and catch everything, uh, you know, and review everything. So you're you're going to lose thirty seconds to start with. Yeah. Um, and when it comes down to the fact that you've got, is this a foul? Is that is this not a foul? Was the contact there, or was the contact um, initiated by the attacker? Yeah. Uh, we're talking about penalties now and stuff like that. You're looking at nuances, and it's going to take a long time. To be fair, so that, unless, that, unless... that then pushes on to added time. And essentially, I find it quite interesting. Me and you have worked together on a few after dinners together, and I really like. I was really interested in how, as a referee, uh, you decide how how much added times needed. Well, the basic basic rule of thumb: thirty seconds for a sub. Right, obviously the injury. Uh, should there be an injury, it's time. Stop the watch. That, that's fine, right? Um, they've got two watches. One, one's a continuous runner. The other one's stopped. So when it comes to like uh, 85 minutes, you look at the difference and then thereby is your added time. Yeah. The VAR, the VAR, that again is a, st- a stopped stop watch. Right. But um, sometimes I'm not sure that they're getting it, not getting it right because... <laughs> I think there should be somewhere around about 10 minutes additional yeah. time, depending upon the VAR in- intervention. Because, I mean, you have an injury, fine, that, that's that's quantifiable. But so should the VAR be as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, and how, yeah. How, because So it's 30 seconds for, an, uh, for a sub. How much is it for a goal? <laughs> how long is a piece of string? Yeah. Um, <laughs> At Newcastle, we're not so sure because we don't get many of them. <laughs> oh, uh, no, no. The pain, the pain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, uh, it really depends. Depends on, uh, on. I mean, it should it should be 30 seconds to a minute, probably. Yeah. But, I mean, so if you're looking at last night, um, two goals in the first half, two in the second half, so that I, I, if it was me, that would be like two minutes second half, two minutes first half for the goals yeah. and then all the other bits and pieces as well. And basically another thing which um, sometimes gets overlooked um, and it didn't with me because it was a pet hate of mine and that's uh, time consumption yeah. by goalkeepers. Right. Oh boy. Oh, Jordan Pickford was time consuming galore last night. <laughs> yeah, well, didn't do him any good, did it? Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, you, you see, now the reason for time consumption is yes, you're normally in the lead. However, if you're under the cosh, thereby is another ex, another reason to to to. I say time consumption. If I, if you say wasting time, it has to be a yellow card. So yeah. time consumption is a tactic. Um, so for me, um, referees being aware of it and getting in early and making sure that the the guys know that unless you stop it, there will be some action taken. But um, throw-ins. I mean, one one of the one of the easiest ones is the uh, the guy will go to take the throw in from the wrong position, yeah. so that the referee moves him back. So there's another thirty seconds, you know. Yeah. There's there's loads of little things to uh, to consider. Does it infuriate you watching football now? 
Um, has it has it spoiled f- watching football because you're now looking at the decisions rather than enjoying the football? Well, I have to say to you, it's it's been an awful long time since I've watched a game of football. That hasn't been work. <laughs> it, it hasn't been, yes. Yeah. Um, and and the, the difficulty is, no matter no matter how enjoyable I'm watching, even if it's two teams I don't care about, yeah. right? And it's just two two it's just two competing teams. I'll, I will I will be drawn into the the decision making process because unfortunately I've been doing it for forty six years, you know. <laughs> I, but uh, no no on Sunday I promise on Sunday I promise that I'll just go and watch the game. Yes, just go and watch a Newcastle win. I've got two more <laughs> questions for you, Alan. Number one is what's next for you? Um, well, at the moment, my my. Uh, my work is to try to promote Chester Street Town Football Club. I'm vice chairman there. Um, we've just had a new clubhouse built. Uh, the roof blew off, by the way. That's another matter. Um, <laughs> we're in the process of getting that put on. But I'm, I'm, I'm working hard to try and promote uh, Chester Street Town uh, just to increase the crowds um, and, and just make it a better, a better foundation for the club. Uh, so that's basically what I'm doing now. Um, and speaking to people like yourself. <laughs> well, I'm sorry about the latter. I apologise about that. But <laughs> nah, no problem. <laughs> and my final question for you, Alan, is who would you like to see on this podcast? Ooh, that's a good one. Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe. Right, he's on my list. Good. Eddie Howe, thank you. Alan, thank you so much for coming on to the Cal Halbert podcast. Alan Wilkie, everybody. Thank you very much. The Cal Halbert podcast. And there we go, my friends. That was my chat and chinwag with one of my good buddies, Mr. Alan Wilkie. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please, please, please share it with all of your friends. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you can, give us five stars. That really helps other people find the podcast. If you want to support the podcast more, we do have a Patreon account. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Calbert. All the details will be in the link somewhere, I'm sure. Don't worry. But until next week, see you then. The Cal Halbert Podcast. You've been listening to a Calbert Media production.